Well, over the course of this study, we've examined the theme of waiting on the counsel of God from a theological basis, and we've examined the various scriptures and teaching of the scriptures about waiting on God's counsel. The question we need to ask ourselves now is this. How does this theology work itself out into in real life? What, what did it look like in the lives of God's people? You see, theology on a page is useless if it's not applied to real situations. It's easy to believe or to say, I believe something, but when push comes to shove and I'm forced to prove that in real life, it's not so easy to believe. And so in this reflection today, I want to take a moment to consider what waiting on the counsel of God meant in the life of Moses. Now, if you examine the life of Moses as recorded in the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you'll find very quickly that there's a phrase that is repeated very, very often in those books. And the words, the Lord said to Moses, are repeated something like 147 times in those five books of the Bible. And that shows us something very, very important. It shows us that the Lord was in touch with Moses on a regular basis, and Moses communicated regularly with God. And in these times, God showed Moses the direction that he needed to take, and he reveals to Moses the purpose he has for him and the purpose he has for the nation that he was called to lead. As we begin here, we need to understand that Moses did not always wait for the counsel of God. In his early years, Moses had not yet learned, in fact, how to do this. At the age of 40, he visited the Israelites in their camp and saw an Egyptian being beaten, uh, an Egyptian beating an Israelite slave. And Moses was so enraged by what he saw that day that he took matters into his own hands and he kills the, the Egyptian who was abusing the Israelite and buried him in the, in the sand. He acted in this matter on his own. He did not wait for the Lord, did not consult the Lord about this, but acted on his own. Now, later in the book of Acts, chapter 7 and verse 25, we read about the motivation of Moses at that time in his life and why he killed that Egyptian. And this is what we read from Acts chapter 7, verse 23 to 25, about Moses at that point in his life. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. Now, it was according to Acts chapter 7 and verse 25, the intention of Moses to show his brothers, the Israelites, 
that God was going to save them by his hand, by his hand, referring to his own strength and to his own might. Moses, at this time, intended to gain their confidence. He had the influence and position necessary to make a difference. And at the age of 40, Moses was ready to take on the nation of Egypt. He felt that everything he had and he needed was present in himself and that he was ready then and there to take up that challenge in his own wisdom and in his own strength. But what Moses did not take into consideration was what happened to him after that incident. He was banished from Egypt. He was humiliated and sent running for his life. He ended up in the desert where where the only influence he had was over the sheep that he cared for. And God left him there for 40 years until every gram of self-confidence was broken in this man. And so it was at the age of 80, 40 years later, that God speaks to Moses again in that burning bush and calls him to return to Egypt to set his people free from their bondage. This time, Moses was very reluctant. He did not have the same confidence he had when he was 40. His Egyptian language skills were somewhat rusty, and when God asked him to go this time, he responded in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11 by saying, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He felt that he was the wrong person for the job. But God would not release him from that calling on his life. And ultimately, in obedience to the counsel of the Lord, Moses returns to Egypt. He didn't return to Egypt because it was his own idea this time, however. He had a clear sense that the Lord God was calling him to this task. And and this idea, in fact, of even going to Egypt and setting the people free did not make sense to him. He didn't have any clue as to how to do this. And had God not called him to do so, Moses would never have gone to Egypt. This time, the whole thing was God's idea. Moses simply followed the counsel of God. Now understand that this task was beyond Moses now, and Moses knew that this task was beyond him. And he returned this time with a deep sense of not knowing at all what to do. So when Moses arrived in Egypt, he was faced with the problem of how to convince Pharaoh to let the people go. Now Moses had no idea as to how to approach this matter. And so in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1, he comes to God and he brought the whole matter to God and sought his counsel. And God's counsel was not at all what Moses had expected. In fact, Moses would never have thought of this himself. And as Moses listens to God, God tells Moses that he's to take, to go and stand before Pharaoh. He's to take a shepherd's staff and to throw it on the ground. And when he did, that staff took on life and became a slithering serpent on the floor of Pharaoh's palace. Now, Moses didn't debate Pharaoh here, 
But the power of God was revealed through that slithering serpent in a way that no argument from a human perspective could ever have revealed. And Pharaoh began to understand here that he was dealing with a man of God here. And over the weeks that that followed, Moses kept going back to God for counsel. And each time God would speak to Moses and show him what to do. And ten great plagues were released on the nation of Egypt. And in the end, the nation was devastated. Its crops, its cattle, its land were were destroyed. The firstborn son of every family in Egypt was in a coffin. Egypt was brought to his knees because Moses listened to the counsel of God. And God led him in ways that would have confused the human mind. Unexpected things were happening in Egypt as Moses listened and obeyed. And none of this made sense to the human mind. God calls upon frogs, upon gnats, upon flies. He casts the nation into darkness and sends hail and storms of all kinds. And all Moses could do is sit back in amazement and shock at what was happening. God was working. And all Moses did was listen to his counsel and obey. And the nation of Egypt was brought to his knees as a result. Now, setting the children of Israel free from bondage was an amazing feat. But that was only the beginning. Moses would lead these Israelites into the desert and they they only had what they could carry with them and the provisions would only last for a certain amount of time. And the questions, of course, on Moses' mind as he leads them out into the desert was how would he provide the supplies necessary to see these people through the desert to the promised land? And, and if there is one thing that is clear in this whole thing is that Moses did not have what was required and he needed, he would need the counsel and the wisdom of God to get his people through to the other side. And the first test came in the form of the route that they were to take. And the question, of course, is how was they to get through this wilderness and and to the other side? They didn't have maps and GPS and charts as, they, as we do today. And, and, of course, God speaks again to Moses about this. And God tells Moses that he was going to set a pillar in the sky, a cloudy pillar by day and a fiery pillar by night. And, and the people were to follow that cloud and fire all the way through that wilderness. And if the pillar did not move, the people did not move. And if the pillar stayed a month in a certain location, they waited patiently for for that pillar to move. But God led his people step by step, and the people of God were simply to follow his leading. And as they followed that leading of the Lord, the Lord God, the pillar of fire, led them directly to the, the edge of the Red Sea. And at that, at that particular moment, the army of Pharaoh came close, 
came following close behind, hot on their tails. And 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 as the Israelites arrived at the border of the at the at the sea, at the shore of the sea, they were pinned down and had nowhere to go. And from the people's perspective, they were finished. Moses was clueless as to what to do. But once again, however, he he calls out to the Lord, and, and it is the counsel of God that wins today. And God tells Moses to raise his staff over the sea. And when he did, it parted, forming a wall on each on each side. And I'm convinced, I tell you, that I could have spent the rest of my life trying to figure out a solution to this dilemma. But I would never have come up with that idea. The people of God simply walked across on dry land. No human logic would have ever produced this solution in such a timely fashion. God, Moses, raised his rod over the sea in obedience, and God did the rest. Moses listened to the counsel of God, and God brought success. After crossing the Red Sea, they moved through the wilderness to the region of Mara. And as they, they approached this region, the people were becoming quite thirsty as they followed that pillar of fire and, and cloud. And, and uh, they were without water and arriving there in Mara. To their great delight, they saw an abundant supply of water, but it was so bitter they could not drink it. And when the people complained to Moses, Moses again was at a loss as to what to do. And so he consulted the Lord and, and God showed him to how he was to throw a log into that water. And, and when he did, the water became sweet and people were able to drink it. The counsel of the Lord healing the waters. And when their food ran out, the people again complained, and Moses sought again the counsel of God, and God told him that he would rain down bread from heaven for every day, and for 40 years that manna was found in the desert floor, and every day the people had all they needed to eat. And when they arrived at Rephidim, there, there was again no water, and, and Moses was forced again to go to God for wisdom and what to do, and God tells him to strike a certain rock with his rod, and when he did, enough water flows from that rock to supply the needs of an entire nation. And where did Israel's laws come from? Moses spent days in the presence of the Lord, and in those times, God would speak to him and told him what he required of his people, how Israel was to live and how Israel was to worship. All of these things came directly from God and, and his words to Moses, and Moses wrote down those counsels of God, and, and, and there, was no, there was no endless debates in committee meetings over what Israel was to do. There, there was no working out solutions to please people. It was simply a matter of conveying the wisdom and counsel of God as it was revealed to Moses when he was in the presence of the Lord. 
And on one occasion, when God's people disobeyed and grumbled against Moses and against God, the God sent serpents, poisonous serpents, to bite them. And as people were dying from, from this, Moses cries out to God and goes to God and speaks to God and seeks his counsel. And God says to Moses that he was to create a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And anyone who looked at that pole would be healed from the poison flowing through their veins. This made no sense from a scientific and medical point of view, but it did bring healing for the people of God. And God reveals to Moses how he is to see the healing of his people who had been poisoned with the the venom of serpents in their blood. Now we could go on with our illustrations. But the point, however, is that an old man who didn't feel qualified was called to lead an entire nation out of Egypt, and he had tremendous obstacles standing against him. But how was the will of Egypt broken to keep these slaves? Through the counsel of God, given to Moses and in obedience, and his, through his obedience to that counsel. How were the needs of God's people provided for through the counsel of God and the counsel that God gave to Moses? How did he know where to take them by following the leading of God in that fiery pillar and cloudy pillar? And over those years of wandering, Moses found one answer after another in the counsel of God. God gave him laws for his people. God showed him where to look for provision for food and water. And God showed him how to heal uh, water that was bitter. God showed him how to heal the poison of serpent bites and, and the venom in the blood of his people. What was the secret of Moses' success? He listened to the counsel of God. Moses did not have the solution in himself. Everything was in God. All the answers he needed were in the counsel of God and in the leading of God. Moses discovered that the secret was found in seeking God and listening to his counsel and walking in obedience. Victory was not because he chose to take matters into his own hands, but because he chose to seek the counsel of God and walk in obedience. And so we see in Moses an example of what we've been examining theologically here. And of course, the challenge for us is whether we will follow his example, whether we will seek the Lord and cry out to him and seek him in prayer and seek his wisdom, or whether we will take matters into our own hands and do things the way we, the best way we know how. But human wisdom and strength will only take us so far. God's way, however, will move us into the miraculous. He he will move us step by step through divine territory and in his counsel alone can we tread down the spiritual forces of evil allied against him. We dare not stand against these foes equipped only with our own resources and wisdom and strength. In him alone is more than we could ever need to conquer 
And so let's make it our priority to be seekers of the counsel of God, to do his work in his way, and to experience his victory in doing so.